Hi, you're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you, in some small way, will be blessed and transformed by this message. So today, I thought what we would do is we will have just a little walkthrough of a passage of the Bible, quite a famous passage of the Bible. And um, so we'll read it through, and then I'm just going to walk through it a little bit and see if there's any lessons we can learn today and apply to our, our own lives. Is that okay if we do that this morning? Good. So why don't we dip in straight away? We're going to turn to John chapter 21, if you have Bibles with you. If you don't, it will appear on the screen behind me. Uh, and we're just going to read... Um, this little story of Jesus encountering his disciples. The setting is this. Jesus has uh, lived, he's died, he's been resurrected. And he's revealing himself to all manner of different people around his homeland. And on this occasion, he decides to reveal his resurrected self to the disciples again. This is where they encounter him. So uh, John chapter 21, this is what it says. Uh, afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, uh, Thomas, also known as Didymus, that's an unfortunate name, isn't it? Please, uh, I know it's really common to give your child all kind of trendy names nowadays. Please don't choose Didymus, okay? It's not going to do your child any favors in the future. Let's just, it's there in the Bible. Just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean it's a good thing. Okay, right, Didymus. Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught... Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, just like that. He wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. Most people, when they jump into the water, they take their garments off. Is that true? This fella? Topsy-turvy. Anyway, he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat. Sensible, I would have thought. There you go. Uh, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, I wonder if Peter knew it was that far when he jumped in, by the way. <laughs> I wonder if adrenaline had kicked in and he decided to put his clothes in and jump in and thought, I can do this. And then it's like a hundred yards and he's puffed out after 20. Good job the boat's following on. Anyway, anyway I don't know. It's the Bible. We'll just take it as it is. Here we go. Um, where did I get to? The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish. How many? 
But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Let's pray, shall we? Why don't you pop your hand somewhere near your heart? Father God, we thank you because you love to speak to us. And you don't speak to us through a, a fusty old piece of text, but by something that is made alive by your Holy Spirit. And that can teach us things today. And we thank you for that. That you are so interested in us. That you want to grow us and do us good. So we just pray today. Would you give us ears to hear. And eyes to see. And hearts to obey. In your name. Amen. Uh, Sarah and I decided yesterday morning. Um, that we would do something we hadn't done for a while. We, we thought we would go out. And have a greasy spoon breakfast. Does anyone love that? Oh, that's amazing. You know, be bold about it. Come on, put your hand. If you love it, put your hand. That's right. There's even more hands going up. Sometimes you need a bit of encouragement. Come on, let's admit it. Let's just get it out there right now on the table. If you love a greasy spoon breakfast, pop your hand in the air. The numbers are increasing. Some of you really need someone's going, what is that? What does that mean? Oh, it depends how greasy it is. Okay, good. So anyway, we, we drove out yesterday and we, 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 you know, you drive around the industrial estates if you want a good greasy spoon cafe, don't you? That's what we did. We drove around the industrial estates and we saw one. I won't tell you what it was called. And we thought, we had the dog in the car. So we knew we needed to sit near a window where we could see the dog. And, and we, we thought, nah, it doesn't look greasy enough, that one. So we, we moved on to the next one. We saw another one and... The people were coming out and they were quite clean, no marks or anything. We thought, still not greasy enough. And eventually we found one. People going in in their overalls and all the dirt. We thought, that's the one for us. That's fine. So we went in and uh, we just, the prices were so cheap and the food was so, I mean, it was enormous, wasn't it? And we were there eating our sausages and looking at the dog drooling in the car through the window. And we just, there is something special about starting a day off with a good breakfast. Now, I know, I know, there, there is a growing number of kingdom-living New Earth people who are vegan and vegetarian. I know, look, I get that. But admit it, you still like to go out for a nice vegan breakfast too as well. There is something special about going out and enjoying a good breakfast. And I love that this story ends that way, okay? With Jesus saying, come on. Let's have breakfast. It's great, isn't it? It's just great. And we're going to get there, hopefully. But let's just have a little walkthrough of this passage because I think, if time allows, there are just a few things that we can, we can learn from this uh, passage here. So the first thing to notice, I think, is that um, Jesus isn't around as far as the disciples are aware. I mean, we're told at the beginning of the story that Jesus is about to reveal himself to the disciples. But the disciples have no idea. And what are the disciples doing? Because Jesus has been missing. He's been away without leave. Up until this point, he had spent every day and every night with them. They had eaten together. They'd visited people together. They'd been in close proximity as he had healed the sick, as he had taught people, as he had told stories. They'd been with him. And then 
he's away. He's risen from the dead, but he's around revealing himself all over the place. And the disciples seem just to be adrift. And what do we find them doing? We find them doing something they hadn't done in ages. Fishing. And they are no good at it. How many fish did they catch? We read earlier, a good number of chapters earlier, when Jesus first came across them. And they had toiled all night. How many fish did they catch? Nothing, right. Now, at some point they must have caught something because they were fishermen, right? But the two occasions we read about Simon Peter fishing, he caught zilch and he was a fisherman I'm sure he had some conversations with his wife when he got home at night and there's just nothing for the table and nothing to sell in the shop but anyway that's what they did what do you do when Jesus is a little bit missing from your life or when you think he is you know when you're feeling or when you know you're a little bit lukewarm right when your Jesus temperature has dropped when your devotions have slipped, when you're not considering what it means to be a son and a daughter of Christ the King, this King we talked about today, when that is losing its sense in your life, when you're using a, losing a sense of your, yourself and you're not reading, you're not getting into Scripture and you're not praying and things are missing from your life, what do you do? You don't have to answer the question. Leave it there. Because we all do something. What these did was the thing they used to do. They were the thing they did before they met Jesus. That's what we'll fill our time with. Before we met Jesus, what did we did? What did we did? What did we do? <laughs> hey? They went fishing. That's what they did every day. They didn't have a rabbi to follow around. They didn't have someone to learn from. They didn't heal the sick. They, Jesus had sent them out to be busy in, in twos on short-term missions, then come back and give us a report, and now let's, let's praise Yahweh together. Now let's dig into this. Let me explain what Isaiah means. And they were learning. They were soaking it in. They were so passionate about this new life that they'd been called to. And then their temperature had dropped, and it seemed like it wasn't actually the case but it seemed like Jesus was missing and they did what they used to do when it seems like Jesus is missing from your life from my life what do we do often we do what we used to do when the lukewarm happens to us when the temperature drops we all revert to something and there's probably a couple of hundred different things that we revert to here it's just like other things in life you know when when other things in your life are out of sorts we revert to a type don't we when when other things in our lives are out of joint uh, some people go and they do retail therapy right me I turn to Pringles all right <laughs> fixes everything Pringles and Jesus. Okay? If something's out of sorts and you just, well, buy a tin of Pringles. 
you'll feel better in no time, right? Other people, it's chocolates. Other people, it's caffeine. Some people, it's going to the shop, and this will sort everything out. Here, this was a big thing that had happened. This, this was the person who had promised them a new life and a life in eternity in a kingdom, and he was the king. And they'd walked with him, and they'd tasted it. They'd, wow, this was amazing. And suddenly... He's not there on top of them every day. He's not saying, come on, lads, come on, lads. He's not there. And their temperature dropped, and they didn't do real retail therapy. They didn't go to Pringles. They filled their life with what they used to do before they met Jesus. And that's, that's where we see them in John 21. So there they are. Lukewarm, missing Jesus. They hadn't got the idea that actually, because he was resurrected, that actually he was still very present with them, but just in a different way. So it goes on to say this. Uh, they went out that night, and they caught nothing. Do you know, without Jesus, sometimes we think we're getting something. But in hindsight, it's nothing. Have you realize that? So many people, I, I'm, I'm sort of in a little period at the moment, I think I mentioned it last week, of just a little hot pe period of, of funerals. And it, considers, it, make, it makes me consider all the funerals I've done over the years here. And it's very difficult to think of a time when at the moment when death is coming, when someone has said, no, please don't pray for me. Everyone wants praying for, even the atheist, just in case. Just in case. Everything else they've turned to in life, which has filled them with the buzz and the adrenaline and the serotonin and, and all things that, that make them get through life, when it comes to the important time. They've realized they've caught nothing. And they need something. Too many of us toil all through the night of our life, 70 years, 80 years. And we fill it with all manner of stuff. And if we just pause and think, we realize, I've caught nothing. But with Jesus, you catch something. Anyway, they caught nothing this occasion. And it says this, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. So we're let in on this secret, right? We know what's going on. This is a spoiler alert that John is giving us in this chapter. Spoiler alert. They didn't know it was Jesus, but it was Jesus. You can imagine, okay? This is what John... And this mysterious figure calls out to them a great question. What does he ask them? Friends, haven't you any fish? Okay, what was the question? Jesus is great at clear, direct questions, isn't he? He went up to people who clearly had some physical ailment that they needed healing. And instead of just getting on and healing them, Jesus would say... Mm. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus, what are you even asking for? It's clear. 
right? It's so clear. But Jesus would say, very clear, direct question, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus is clear and direct to us. He will tell us clear and direct things. Sometimes it's, it's not a voice. Sometimes it's not a, a picture. Sometimes it's just a calling in your heart. But even this morning, some people have heard the voice of Jesus already. And, and it's clear and it's direct. And you've had a thought to yourself, I must do something about this. And you've had it in this service, maybe in the worship earlier. Maybe after the prophecy was brought, you've had a thought, I must do something about Jesus, about this. And it's Jesus speaking clearly and directly. And here he asks this question. It's a great question. What kind of question is it? It's a great question. Friends, haven't you any fish? Now, who is he asking? Fishermen. Among them, people like Simon Peter. Has a bit of an ego issue, does Simon Peter. So Jesus asks this clear, direct question, just like he does to us. And Simon Peter, everything within him must have wanted to say, of course I do. Of course we've caught fish. What do you think we are? We're fishermen. That's what we are. We're fishermen and we've been out all night. All night, stranger on the shore. One for the old folk there, sorry. Anyone remember Akabilk? That was his song, wasn't it? Was it called Strangers on the Shore or something? Okay, sorry. You younger ones are going, I have no idea. That's okay. Talking of age, Edward here said you could listen to the audio tapes. The audio tapes? The, uh, how long is it since anyone has listened to an audio tape? Just Lynn. <laughs> Just Lynn. At the She's there with a big reel-to-reel. <laughs> audio tapes Ed, how old are you oh, okay all right yeah 40 going on 80 or something audio tapes anyway there we go there are no audio tapes when it comes to immerse okay <laughs> they work they work in a slow you don't all have to go out to the antique shop and buy yourself a cassette player <laughs> okay one of those things anyway I had no idea where I were. How did I get onto that? Well, I was somewhere. Anyway, there we go. Akabil. That's right. I've got it now. I have to just retrace my steps. Okay, there we go. Stranger on the shore. That's it. Thank you, Angie. You're normally a problem as I preach, but that was really helpful this morning. So, stranger on the shore. And um, we know it was Jesus. They don't know it was Jesus. The stranger asked this great question, which must have touched their ego and their sense of pride. And Simon Peter, everything within him must have wanted to say, we're okay. Isn't that what we humans do? We even do it in church, don't we? Someone walks in, and you know they are not okay. You go, you all right? They go, yeah, fine, thanks. And they're not fine times. We do it. It's, we revert to type. That's what we do. This is what's going on here. And I'm absolutely sure that all the people in the boat, inside their first thought was, got to lie. We've got to lie. Got to lie now. That's what we did. We're fishermen. Right? Have you caught any fish? They didn't even know who it was. It could have been anyone. Right? It could have been their wives putting on a low voice, for all they know. It could have been a trap. Okay? Have you any fish? No. But, this is amazing. They call back. 
No, we haven't any fish. Have you any fish? No. Great answer. Here's something we can learn. When Jesus asks you a great question, give the right answer. Because he knows, you know. He knows anyway, before he asks the question. When Jesus asks a question, our job is to be sincere and honest before him. Earlier in this very gospel, the the writer tells of a story when Jesus encountered a, a Samaritan woman at a well and they had a bit of a conversation about Jewish and Samaritan history. And eventually it turned to a conversation about water and living water. But right in the middle of it, they were talking about the different ways that they worship. And Jesus said this, the kind of worshippers the Father seeks are those who worship him in spirit and in truth. But Lord, we thought the kind of worshippers the Father seeks were the ones that had the great bands. We thought the, the worshippers of the Father Six were, were those who had the, the nice auditoriums with the lights that dimmed and could rise and join the praise time. Lord, we thought the kind of worshippers of the Father Six were those that could sing in harmony. Lord, we thought the worshippers of the, the Father Six were those who, uh, who sit in circles and look at a candle and, and do it the orthodox way with lots of liturgy. Lord, we thought the kind of worshippers the Father seeks were those who just gathered in twos or threes with a simple guitar and then a lady brings a tambourine or something. And we thought, and, and, and Jesus goes, no. no. It's those who worship him in sincerity, in spirit, in truth. And here the answer comes to the question. Friends, do you have any fish? And Peter gives a sincere, honest, true answer. No. It's a difficult thing sometimes to acknowledge your lack, isn't it? Have you been fruitful? No, I haven't, Lord. Great answer. Did you do your best there, son, daughter? No, I didn't. Well done for being truthful, sincere. Did you damage that person's life when you did this? Yeah, I think I did. Well done. Some daughter. You see, an honest answer, let's go right back to the beginning of this service, an honest answer can open the gate for the king to come in. A dishonest answer keeps the gate closed. Who is this king of glory that wants to come in? The Lord, strong and mighty, the one who can make everything right. What keeps the gates closed? A dishonest answer. An insincere heart. Someone who worships not in truth and in spirit. Someone who, who is tied up with our own sense of protection, self-protection. And, and we give dishonest answers. Have you any fish? No. 
the gate opens and the story can continue. What's Jesus asking you this morning? Because we all get on a path of life, this cyclical thing that we just do day after day after day and and we get stuck in it. And if we're not careful, then everything that is good and wholesome about following Jesus can get squeezed out. It sort of gets thrown out, you know, by this, this force that p- tries to push Jesus out all the time. He's saying, let me in, let me in, let me in. And, and we get on this, this roller coaster of life. And all the things that should draw us to Jesus and, and cause us to be fruitful in him get pushed to one side. They get thrown out with some kind of spiritual centrifugal force and, and we find ourselves in lack. Are you dry? Yes. Are you empty? Have you been trying to find solace and trying to find purpose in things other than Jesus? Yes. Great questions, needing great answers. A wrong answer stops the story there. I wonder what would have happened. I wonder if John chapter 21, and by the way, the passage we read is just the first part, something remarkable happens. After the bit I read, you go home and read it. But I wonder what would happen if Simon Peter had said, yeah, we've got loads of fish. I wonder what would happen. Let's give honest answers. When the spirit prompts us with a, with a question. And then comes something incredible. It's a test of trust. He said to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, this is a stranger on the shore. They don't know it's Jesus. We know it's Jesus. It's a spoiler, right? He says, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Yes, likely story, stranger. But by now, they've already given the sincere, honest answer. They've opened the door. They've got nothing to lose. Do you know... If you open the door to Jesus, you create some momentum. Sometimes we think, oh, we've just got to, it's all about the whole hog with Jesus. Everything's got to happen quickly. Throw the door open. Jesus, come and change everything. I'm going to give up my job. I'm going to be a missionary in Mongolia, Lord. I'm going to do everything. Jesus said, just open the door. Just open the door. Let me in. Just open the door. And so they opened the door with their honest answer. And that was enough for Jesus to say, throw your net in on the right-hand side. What an odd thing to say. How long had they been out? All night. They were fishermen. But they did. Something inside of them caused them to listen to this voice and throw the net in on the right-hand side. You know, sometimes we sing the songs about giving Jesus our whole heart or surrendering ourselves to him or we would go to the ends of the earth for you and sometimes Jesus says just tell your neighbor that you're going to pray for them no just tell your neighbor that I'm gonna, I don't the ends of the earth it's good thank you for singing that uh, surrendering everything that's great thank you thank you thank you for that it's good but will you just um just tell your neighbor that you're going to pray for them
Just throw your net in on the right-hand side. The, the other stuff will follow. Following Jesus and changing the world that the disciples did later, going all over the world, giving up their lives for Jesus, that would all follow. For now, just throw, just throw your net in on the right side. That's all Jesus says. You know, once you start listening to Jesus, having those ears to hear and the eyes to see and and you give that honest response, acknowledging your lack, realizing there's no point protecting my, myself and my ego here, and you open the door a bit, and you create that momentum, the next thing that comes might not be some great, amazing thing. It might be the little voice of the Holy Spirit saying, just, um, just throw your net in on the right-hand side. Just next time you go down the street, just notice... Notice that lonely person there. So that's it. Just throw your net in on the right. Just notice that person. Just see that there's a need in the church here. Just notice that we, we need more people in teams or whatever. Just notice that. Just turn around and see the person with the hand up in the congregation. Just, just see what's happening around the corner. See what's happening in your, your house. Just do that. Sometimes we, uh, sometimes we are drawn, aren't we, to the sermons and the preaches and the things that say, God has got great, big, amazing plans for your life. And we go, yes. What if God's got tiny plans for your life? What if he's got a tiny plan for your life? I mean, it's always important with God. All God's plans are important. All God's plans are incredibly significant. What if it's just a tiny plan for your life? What about if it's just show the love, mercy, and the grace of Lord Jesus to those two people? Care for them. Let them see Jesus like they see Jesus nowhere else. They see Jesus in your, in your eyes. And in your love. Just a tiny plan. But oh so important. So significant. Someone has shared from this platform before. About the unassuming life. Of the person who led Billy Graham to Jesus. Do you know his name? I don't. Can't remember it. Jesus does. It's a little plan. throw your net in on the right it's a test of faith and I wonder how many of us miss the simple tests of faith that Jesus wants us to offer and to walk into because we think that they're not grand enough I want something bigger Lord I want something bigger I want something more sparkly I want something that I can get my teeth into just do this they did it. And what happened when they did? I mean, it's covered in just one verse. Throw your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, wow, they did it quickly. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. When did the miracle happen? When did the miracle happen? After they had obeyed. Not before. 
Lord, do, do a miracle. Lord, do a miracle and, and then we'll live a life of obedience for you. That, that frustrated Jesus. He talked to his disciples about it later. He just says, these people just want signs and wonders. They just want miracles. But here, Jesus says, do this. And they obeyed. And then the miracle came. Topsy-turvy, right? We, we are drawn to, Lord, let us see the miracles and the signs of the wonders. And then we will believe and follow and obey. Jesus said, just listen. Do this small thing. Just do this small Just give it a go. Throw your net in on the right. And they did. And then the miracle happened. I wonder how many of us are missing out on seeing miracles. Because we don't do the small thing. Because we don't do the small thing. And you know it's there in your heart. You can hear the Holy Spirit talking to you. Urging you to do the small thing. It might still be a little bit scary. It might prick your ego. It might touch our sense of self-worth. But in the scheme of things, it's a small thing. But when we do it and say, Lord, I have no idea why I'm doing this, except I hear you say it. And so I'm going to do it. And then we go, God, you are amazing. I would have never dreamed that this would have happened. They were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. By the way, this is John writing about himself. He has a bit of an ego problem. The disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John writing about himself. Okay. Uh, said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore. By the way, we all need help. We all need help. We all like to think we can get this done alone, right? It just, just needs me and Jesus. We're all right. You ever heard that preached? You and Jesus can change the world. Claptrap. Never happened. You and Jesus can't change the world. We and Jesus can change the world. That's why it's always been. We in the, the West, in our later centuries, we have this idea that the gospel and the Bible and the, the kingdom living is all about me. It's all about me and my personal relationship with Jesus. And together, oh, we can do great things. Nonsense. The body of Christ. Sarah said it last week. The foot cannot say to the hand, I have, no, I have no need of you. The ear cannot say to the eye or the nose to the mouth, I have no need. Together, together, we obey. Together, we throw a net in. Together, we bring it to the shore. Anyway, there they are, together probably rescuing Peter by this stage because he's out of breath, right? Pulling him in. Why did you put that heavy cloak on Peter? I had no idea. It just seemed a good idea at the time. They're pulling him in the boat. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it. You thought about this. Where did these fish come from? <laughs> you thought about this. 
I mean, it would annoy me. I've been out all night trying to catch a fish. Not a tiddler, nothing. Not a sardine, mar- mackerel, nothing. Anchovy. What is an anchovy, by the way? Horrible things, aren't they? Anyway. Anyway, nothing. Caught nothing, right? And, um, and then Jesus does the miracle. And, and they catch all these fish and they're tiring themselves out, pulling them in, pull, it takes all their effort getting it into the boat. They think they're going to lose the boat because the boat's sinking under their way and they've just got it right and then they have to pull Peter in it starts going under even more. And they get, finally get to the shore. Jesus has got a barbecue. What's he cooking? Fish. Probably walked out and got one. I don't know what he did. Anyway, the point is this. Jesus wanted their heart more than he wanted their stuff. Right? Jesus doesn't need your stuff. He just wants your heart. He wanted them on the shore, recognizing who he was, responding honestly and being obedient. And then he could get up to what he needed to get up to next. He never wanted the fish. Didn't want the fish didn't matter he wanted their hearts do you sometimes think Jesus wants your stuff do you think that I mean if he has our hearts he has our stuff right but he don't want your stuff and not your hearts that's why the Bible said God loves a what kind of giver he loves a cheerful giver what does that mean someone who just he They give because they've already given their heart. They've given their heart and therefore their stuff is free to give. Right? It's his anyway. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. When Joseph was growing up at home, he's left home now. When Joseph was growing up at home, a little plaque on his door, his bedroom, say Joseph's room. That's his room now. He's a teenager. It's his room. And we let him think it was his room. It wasn't his room. It was our house. <laughs> you do that for your kids, don't you? No, you do, don't you? For your kids, you let them think that it's theirs. It's not theirs. It's ours. He didn't have the mortgage. We had the mortgage. We were paying for the mortgage, right? And for a long period of the time... The bank had more of a stake in the house than we did. It was really the bank's house. We thought it was our house. It was really the bank's house. Right? And in a time of war, the government can make a compulsory purchase order. They can just get it. It's not really the bank's house. It's the government's house. Right? We've all been fooled. (laughs) The The point is this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Sometimes we think, Lord, this is our stuff. We are doing you such a favor, Lord. Lord, see my grace towards you as I offer you my stuff. He says, I don't need your stuff. I need your heart. And if I've got your heart, then your stuff can be of service. And here the disciples get to shore. Just like one day we will get to the great shore of the new kingdom on earth. Some of us might like to think we're carrying all our stuff with us. 
Jesus. I'm here. It's okay. Keep the gate open. I'm coming up a bit slow. I've got a lot of stuff for you, Lord. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. We get there. He's already got it all. Don't need our stuff. Just needs our heart. I wonder what 200 people who give our hearts to Jesus. I wonder what we could do. I wonder what he could do in us and through us. I wonder how things could change if 200 people just offered Jesus our hearts. Knowing he's already cooking something up. And it's good. It's going to change the world. So there they are. They smell the fish. They see the barbecue. And Jesus says, Come and have breakfast. Thanks for listening to this message from New Life in North Lincolnshire. To find out more, do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit? We'd love to see you.